Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Joshua, and today we have, once again, a not-so-special... Because he's regular. He's a regular now. It's Neil with Clock Dodgers. Welcome. I am so proud and happy to be here. So humbled, Josh. We've gone through a lot to make this happen, and I'm excited, man. I'm always excited to be here. Yeah, we're only like an hour late starting because of audio um, problems. Not that any yeah, of you not, care. Yeah. yeah, not like I have anything to do, you know? No, not not like you weren't 10 minutes late yourself. But I, but I do wonder, you know, being a regular guest and everything, would this happen? Would the stars get this kind of treatment? Um, I don't know because I haven't had any on yet. So <laughs> if I do, I will let you know if it happens. I mean, you know, you can call me a star if you want, man. And then you can say, um, hey, there's no, we, we treat everyone equally here. Stars like Neil and well, just like, you know, schmoes like Josh. Well, this Crocker. past week, I did start the first couple steps of my master plan to get Austin Eckler on the podcast. Oh, so let I me know. Hear. I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, you let me know how that goes, and then you go ahead and forward that contact information over. <laughs> I'm going to need that. Yeah, right after I tell him, this guy, he, he wasn't confident enough to put you high in his rankings. What? Not me. I mean, to be fair, I don't have any rankings. That's, see, that's the problem. You had him high, but you have no proof. I have him higher than you. I have tweets to back it up. I have rankings and tweets to back it but up. This but is your not rankings, one of the agree to disagrees, Neil. Listen, your tweet, your rankings say Melvin Gordon, if he played a full season, is better than Eckler. My tweet said Eckler over Gordon. Therefore, my tweet is over your rankings. I, I think we were saying two different things. And I agreed with what you said at the time, which is I think Eckler is a better running back at that time going into last year. However, I will stand by, and I don't think I've even I don't th- even think Austin could hold this against me, if if he doesn't hold it against his coaches, that Melvin Gordon w- would have scored more points over an entire season. Mm, not nice, man. What about this upcoming season? Will Gordon score more points than Eckler? No. Okay. Well, no, at least you not. you know at least you at least you know when to stand down. No, I and. I, that's the funny thing because Melvin Gord to me is a bit of a really is a great value right now. I think he's going to be a steal for people as a running back two or three, putting up decent points on Denver. And now everyone is out on him. And I'm the one who was last week, last year saying, get out on, I mean, get out on Melvin Gordon. I mean, this time last year I was on open bar podcast and I said, and they were saying, who's the next girly? Because we were all panicking over Todd Gurley this time last year, right. right? And I was saying, it's it's Melvin Gordon. I'm selling all my shares. And that was before he even said anything about a holdout. That's fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, you are a fan, I would say, of Gordon at this point. Probably one of the bigger you know, proponents out there for him at this point. Um, you know, he, for me, he was. I, I, we've had this discussion off, off air already about Philip Lindsay and and him now. And I know you don't feel like Philip Lindsay is a pass kitchen back. The Broncos don't use him that way. I feel like they should. But it's going to be interesting to see how that usage gets played out. Like, a lot of people aren't talking about it, but it's going to be fun to see how that, you know, where they go with that. 
Yeah, this episode was originally supposed to be a fake football fight doubleheader where we were going to talk about just that. We were going to talk about Melvin Gordon. And we were going to talk about one of your Raiders. Uh, I have a lot of Raiders. Yeah, I left it vague. I know. (laughs) But uh, we had too many little things to talk about, and we decided to turn this into an agree-to-disagree episode so we can just hit a bunch more topics a lot faster and not have to spend a whole podcast on one topic because that's just a waste of time neil are you ready i'm ready was that enough introduction it was enough introduction you know i I don't expect a lot you know i I know when i come here how i'm being treated yeah i I, I know the deal when i come here wait for an hour try to get the audio right no not not a big you know introduction i get it it's cool i come here expecting it Find the man on Twitter at Clock Dodgers. Find the website, clockdodgers.com, which, by the way, I have not complimented you on. That's gotten a facelift since back in the days when my articles were on there. It has. It's. I waited looks, for you to leave. It looks way cooler since I left. It does. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> um, before we get anything else, there is one thing I wanted to give a shout-out, completely unrelated. Um I have joined this charity tournament that's forming right now. It's the Triple S Showdown. It's been around uh, one year previously, so this is second year. It's a tournament style with over 100 teams, um, and the money is going to benefit the My Stuff Bags Foundation. And that is uh, the My Stuff Bags Foundation helps orphans, it helps supply them with these bags with everyday items that they can call their own. A lot of orphans, uh, and it's all over the place, and a lot of them don't have much. They just have clothes on their back, maybe a few toys if they're lucky. And My Stuff Bags helps to solve a lot of those issues, helping make sure those kids in the orphanages, it goes beyond just the bags. They, they help feed them, clothe them, schooling much more. So the league itself, the tournament league, is going to be run on Sleeper app. It's just $15 to join, and there's even still some cash prizes um, for the winners. But, of course, a lot of money goes to the charity. So you can have fun, help a charity, still win something. Check it out. they got a new website running, showdown.com. The charity is mystuffbags.org. Or you can just hit me up on Twitter at FusionFFB, as you all should know by now, and I will direct you to the right person. So it's a lot of fun still getting going. Check it out. All right. Are you ready, Neil? Let's ready, do this. I'm ready as I'm ever going to be. I'd like to have an argument, please. Let's just agree to disagree, my friend. Okay. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Agree to disagree. Let's look at that. Let's agree to disagree. I respectfully disagree. I'm not sure that I agree with you 100%. I respectfully disagree. All right, welcome to Agree to Disagree, the game where we have to make the best possible argument for one side of a debate, whether it's the side we actually agree with or not. Um, which, of course, disclaimer, that means participants may not be held to anything said 
any assertions made while arguing for either position because they may not actually believe it. So don't try holding this against somebody in a court of uh, Twitter. So the topic of the debate is going to be stated. All right, Neil, I'm going to I'm going to say concise as I can what the topic is, and then you right. will get the chance to pick which side you would like to agree with. Oh, I'm going to pick my side? You're going to you're going to tell me which side you do oh, okay. which actually okay. agree with. And okay. then I'm going to flip the coin. Okay. If it's heads, you get the side you wanted. Gotcha. If it's tails, you have to agree for the opposing side. <clears throat> and I will just do whichever is the other one. Okay. Okay. Now, we spent a lot of time on the last podcast, like 20 minutes, trying to get this all clarified, sorted out. I think we're good. That was with Josh, correct? Yeah, see, exactly. Yeah. I make sure things are good for, this, for the star, for the real stars. I make sure that this is all figured out. See, I appreciate that. He's definitely yeah. a, a podcast crash dummy. He's definitely the one you bring through the ringer. So I appreciate that. Don't don't. Hey, he's on your podcast regularly. Is he? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I yeah. guess he does contribute there sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. So out to Josh. So the first topic we already we briefly already mentioned it. I feel like we should complete the argument and I'm going to surprise you with Ron right off the bat because that's how we do things here. <laughs> All right. Melvin Gordon. Will he be a top 20 running back in 2020? This guy just throws me off all the way here. Look at this. That's it. Um, okay, that's fair. That's how you want to play? I Which side I you want? Start treatment. Um, are we talking PPR here or what are we talking? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. What else make is sure there? Make sure, make sure this is a real production. Um, Melvin Gordon, top 20. Running I'm back. going to say top 20 running back. I am going to say he will not be a top 20 running back. Of course you wouldn't. I'm flipping the coin. Here we go. It's tails. You have to argue for him being a top 20. Great. So who All goes right. first? Whoever wants to. I mean, it's basically the same rule set as fake football fight, which means there's there's really no rules. So okay. <laughs> you can just interrupt me at any time. Um, I will say... I think Lindsay's been working on it. He's talked about working this offseason and getting more involved in the passing game. He's recruited help from like Christian McCaffrey and people like that. So he knows that new offensive uh, coordinator Shermer wants a running back who can be out there most of the time, who can be involved in the passing game, even if it's just dump offs. But I mean, this is the offensive coordinator who's had, you know, Saquon Barkley and gotten him involved in the passing game. So he wants someone who can do that. And Lindsey knew it. He's done some of that. He has not had the opportunity to really display his abilities in that area. And I don't know how much it really is Lindsey as much as it was just the situation. So he's going to get the opportunity. And I think he's going to get the first crack at being that guy, at being the guy instead of Melvin Gordon. And if he takes that, then, I mean, it's all over for Melvin Gordon. I mean, he'll be lucky if he's top 30. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Listen, I'm not even the biggest fan of Melvin Gordon, right? I mean, right? We know where I stand with this guy, but come on. Listen, they just signed him as a free agent, right? They didn't do this for nothing. They didn't, they didn't sign him for nothing. He's been one of the most productive backs in football. 
Philip Lindsay, maybe you, maybe he should start catching footballs because it may be the only way this guy gets to play anymore. Um, Melvin Gordon's new coordinator is a one back type of guy. His system, you know, has never been a kind of guy to lean on two guys at the same time at a, at a high clip. Um, they got a, they got a lot of wide receivers there now. They got lots of wide receivers. Gonna be lots of goal line carries. We're gonna get that to Philip Lindsay. I don't think so. So I think it's pretty clear that you know Gordon has a really good chance here at being a top 20 back. And Philip Lindsay has a good chance to be, you know, relevant if he can catch some footballs, maybe. Maybe they want to throw him some footballs. But, um, you know, just looking at this, it might be a little bit of a, a muddy situation, you know, between these two. But uh, Melvin Gordon certainly has the potential to be a top 20 running back. I think that went pretty well. That was that was a very good argument, Neil. Um, Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't even know what the argument... I tried my best. I really did. I... <laughs> I mean, I think the best the best case for Lindsay is a 50-50, right? Best case. And that's that's the harsh reality of it. So it's really here's the only thing I will say. And this goes this is a positive on my side. The reason that even last year I was getting out on Melvin Gordon, and we can't just pretend that since he switched teams that this is no longer a concern, he has continually had some of these lower body injuries. And so that is a definite concern. One of the best, you might say, handcuff plus guys is gonna be uh, is gonna be Lindsay for sure. I can see that if Lindsay can stay healthy too, you know, that you know for sure. There, there's there's a chance for both of these guys to you know to to find their way. But Philip Lindsay still hasn't got a new contract, has he? I don't believe so. So you know maybe he's gonna be emotional this season. They signed a new big time running back. Like I've already seen stuff coming out of. Out of you know, his his mouth here where he's like, you know, saying things where he's going to be competing heavily. Gordon's not just going to get the job. I mean, why is he feeling like this? He's emotional, man. We know what happens when emotions get the best of you. So I don't know, man. Melvin Gordon, top 20, might be a lock. Uh, I think so. I think so. All right. I like it. Next. I picture you. Over, hit, I, I, hold on. Hold on. I picture you over there hitting that bell just so you know. Every time it's it's, it's right than... over here. You just can't see it in the camera. Yeah, it's just it's just out off camera. Real life effect. I, I appreciate it. You like that quality? I do. Yeah, I respect it. We're gonna tone it down here a little bit. Bounce around, okay? Something that's a little dear to both our hearts here. Jarek McKinnon. Okay. Will be fantasy relevant in 2020? Yes or no? All right, we agree on this. Yes, he will be relevant. Okay, so I'm going to flip this. If it's heads, you get to argue for that. Heads. Beautiful, beautiful. See, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't rigged. No, you're lucky I'm seeing that coin because otherwise I wouldn't have trusted you on any of these. But the fact that I'm seeing the coin, it is real, it's happening in front of me, I trust you. Um, so yeah, Jeremy McKinnon, relevant, 2020. This is alien to some people, right? Me and you were believers. I've had this guy in a dynasty league that we're in together. How many years now? Like three years at least. Um, I don't think he's ever played since I've had him. But I believe it. I believe in this. A couple of reasons. One, the 49ers have waited so long for Jarek McKinnon. For what? Why are they patiently waiting? Why do they stick through the rehab? Let him do, you know, take a salary cap hit. You know, cut cut his salary back to stay. Why would they do all that if he's just a waste? If he's not relevant, right? So to me. He's relevant just from their team perspective. They think he's relevant. You got his running back teammate, Raheem, coming out saying that, 
you know, they're both doing a great job right now. He can't wait for him to show whatever, you know, show everyone what he's got that's doubting him and what they're missing out on. He's excited about him. The 49ers are clearly excited because they've waited this long. I'm excited. You're excited. I'd love to hear why you think – I'd love to hear how you're going to spin this because I don't think you can hang it on anything, Josh, but health. So go ahead. I mean, health is obviously a concern. So I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to set it aside. But it's been two years. And the injuries that he supposedly got, even going into the seasons, are not the kind of injuries you typically – I mean, obviously the ACL. But then it was like just hamstring and stuff like this last year. And then next thing we know, he's out for the whole season, major injury again. It just – it's one thing, if it, if it wasn't just one thing, that would be fine. But it's it's cascading injuries. And so I'm sorry I have to bring it up, but it is an issue. It's been an issue, and it will continue to be an issue. That aside, even if he manages to be healthy, first of all, he's been injured many times. I don't think he's the same McKinnon anymore. Okay? Two, he's how many years older? At least two, since we saw him do anything spectacular all right and three that offense he's in as much as i'm sure they're going to be able to use him effectively when they choose to use him the problem is we never know when they're going to choose to use him he will not be fancy relevant even if he's getting points because you'll never be able to start him so that means he can't be relevant if you can't start him right Right. No, I, I get the injury thing. We, we can do the injury thing <clears throat> with anybody, right? Like, obviously, his his history is, you know, more more filled with injury than everybody else or most guys. But, I mean, we th- these are the guys that you're not going to pay anything for. You're going to get them for nothing. You're going to pick them off for agency, have someone throw me a deal unless you're trying to trade with me. And you're going to get them for nothing. So the upside is ridiculous for the price that you're going to pay for, for McKinnon. Not to mention they just traded – Matt out of town. He's a dolphin. So again, when, when teams trade guys, you got to go, why? Why'd they trade him? He wasn't horrible. He was a part of their offense. Why get rid of the guy? Oh, because we had this guy named Jarek McKinnon who's coming back from injury and he's a super electric playmaker. And we're about to insert him into this offense. Yeah, you know who else they brought back? Go ahead. Jeffrey Wilson Jr. Okay. So what they have really big plans for Jeffrey Wilson Jr. too? Somebody's got to back up Jarek McKinnon, you know? Yeah, right. No, man. <laughs> Look, like I said, he's not going to be fantasy relevant because you're not going to know when to start him. And so he's he's going to have a couple runs. You're thinking you're going to have something. He's going to have one good game. And then after that, you won't see him for three weeks, just like they did with Brita. You know, all of a sudden, we're at the end of the season, and it's just muster and, and no Brita. And you're like, is he active? Is he hurt? No, he was there. He's on the sideline. They just didn't use him, and you're never going to know why. And the answer from Shanahan's going to be like, you know, we all oh, we wanted to get involved, but, you know, the way that the game went, it just uh, it, we just didn't need him. You know? Gosh, you, you, know, you, you can't even say that with a straight face. You know you're lying. Of course you know I can. Lynch. Especially this team and this offense and this defense. How did they win all their games last year? They won it by getting a lead and then they just ran and that's why they were running with Coleman and Mostert more than with you know the Breedas because they didn't need that pass catching back to get back into the game because they were in the game they had the lead they were holding it they were just burning clock you don't want to burn clock with Jarek McKinnon listen man 
Go check the highlights. Go check the film. Go check the recent videos the trainer and them have been releasing. He looks great, Josh. He looks great. They, he wasn't even cutting until like last week, they said. He looks fantastic. Everybody's talking him up. His teammates, the trainers, himself. He's got so much to prove. Chip on your shoulder. He's going to look fantastic in another sling or cast or something. Listen, folks, the risk is worth the reward. This is the gamble you take. And if you need any further proof, hit me up in DM and I will send you screenshots of Josh trying to trade for him. (laughs) Every single trade. (laughs) (laughs) That is... That is the way I win this this argument. All right. I I I feel like I put up a pretty good face though. Come on. You did. You you did. It was a, it was a worthy opponent in on that one. I didn't expect it. All right. So I we're going to go over to the Oakland. Oh jeez, I did it. Dang it. Not Oakland. You can't call them Oakland. They're Las Vegas, baby. I had to go back in all my databases and all my spreadsheets and like change it all to over to LVR from OAC and it was all confusing. Man, That's why you don't mess with spreadsheets, Josh? I, I, I mess with spreadsheets. All right. It's not the way to go. It's not the way to go. Henry Ruggs, right? Mm. Very controversial draft pick for this class in 2020. Will Henry Ruggs be a top? three wide receiver this year in the class. Of course he will. Okay. That's what he's saying. Let's flip the coin. Heads, you got him. Mm, Beautiful. This might be rigged in my favor. I don't know. This thing's been going my way pretty much since the, after the first one. Um, I'll I'll start this one, man. I'll start this. So let's, let's try to approach this from a different angle. Would you say Deshaun Jackson had a good rookie season? He did. He did. I had okay. him on okay. my teams. I actually I okay. actually did. Okay. So that's, that's good, right? Um, a lot of people like to compare Ruggs to Tyreek Hill. I get it, right? Like, if we look at Ruggs, we see the, the comparisons, right, as far as the height, that kind of stuff, the speed. He's 5'11", Ruggs, right? That's being, you know, that's pretty fair. Jackson, Tyreek, 5'10", each. 180 range, all of them, 188, 185, 175, all in that same range. So Deshaun Jackson, similar body, had a great rookie season, right? Similar similar type of player. Tyreek Hill had also had a good rookie season. He had a better rookie season than Deshaun Jackson even. But even if we just use Deshaun Jackson, we take it a step back because, right, Tyreek's uh, one of the best players in the league, right? Like, we don't got to get crazy. Um, Deshaun Jackson has had a really good career. Matter of fact, I mean, obviously he's had some injuries, but for a rookie season, he had a good season and it continued to trend upward. He's had, like I said, some down seasons with injuries and whatnot, but I like to use him as like a barometer here because the build, the speed, and he could play a similar role. I feel like in, in the offense. Now, not only that, we got to consider the fact that Gruden picked this guy in the, with, as the first wide receiver off the board. That's not an accident. That's not, oh, the Raiders are so dumb. They picked Henry Ruggs. Like, they, he has a, a game plan for this guy already. He he knows that speed kills, and, and Ruggs isn't just a speed guy. A lot of people go, oh, well, oh, they're going to throw the deep ball. Derek Carr's going to throw the deep ball. But if you look at Ruggs, he doesn't even have to be a deep ball player. Like, literally, the, the plays that Carr completes the most, the best, Ruggs runs those the best. Like, that's just, it's just, it's, just, it's, it's perfect recipe for 
Derek Carr to throw these passes that he throws, and instead of being dropped, or instead of a guy getting tackled immediately, or or whatever has happened in the past, we're gonna have a guy who just takes it to the house. Like that's just what it's gonna be. So he he of course is a top three wide receiver in this class, and 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 we could sit here and argue about the upside of all these other guys, but Ruggs is gonna be the one that comes into an offense. His coach is game plan for him. His quarterback is perfect for him. The offense is already great offensive line, great running back, great teammates around him. Good defense is getting better. But, you know, they're going to need to put up points, of course, to win games. So, again, more opportunity for Ruggs. Not, those other guys didn't always go to situations where, you know, that's the case. Most of them, you could say, didn't even go to situations where they step in and they could be the number one guy, literally, just off of talent, ability, and opportunity uh, on their own right, offense. All right, all right, all right, all right. Are you done yet? Go ahead. I can keep going. Just go ahead. Man. Look, just you can say Tyreek Hill and Sean Jackson as many times as you like. That doesn't make Henry Ruggs Tyreek Hill and Sean Jackson. All right. Here's here's what Sean Jackson he had. He had actual college production. Okay. Tyreek Hill, he had changing positions. And he had a whole actually his rookie year, he, he was like just a special teams phenom right it wasn't until his sophomore year that they actually got him worked into the offense proper okay so henry ruggs if if tyreek hill had had the kind of opportunity on the kind of offense with the kind of quarterback that henry ruggs had in college in alabama do you not think that tyreek hill would have been spectacular in college listen Listen, we, we can we can talk about this college oh, no, stuff. No, all no, 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 no. Listen, listen, no, 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 listen, listen. If you can't I, I, be I, the best in the room in college, how do you expect to be the best in the room in the NFL? Because he wasn't he wasn't set up that way. There was a lot of talent there. He wasn't set up to be the guy to be the number one target receiver on the team. But oh, just go yeah. back to how many touchdowns this guy had in college. Oh, so is that, that, is that, that coach, that college coach, is just an idiot and couldn't see how he could use I, him really I, well. I mean, is twenty four touchdowns bad? For college, that's a bad receiving total. How many? I mean, how many? How many receptions did he have? Let's look at the percentage of receptions to touchdowns. Come on, man, he's a playmaker. He he makes things happen, and now he's going to go to an offense where it's it, he he's needed. He's required for them to win games. They failed to score touchdowns. He he he's going to be game planned into this offense from day one for the guy to catch the. All, all these all these amazing plays, they don't have to be deep balls. Yeah, sure, he has 4.27 blazing speed, right? Of course that's there. We all know that's there. That's a beautiful you know, advantage. But come on, man, the screen passes, the slot plays over, over the middle. Man, car, it's magic. No, I understand all that. I understand it. And that you're right. That's a complete mischaracterization, misrepresentation. It's even a misrepresentation of Tyreek Hill. People think he's only this, you know, like, because he caught some 40-yard touchdowns from Alex Smith back in the day that that's all he does. But his average depth of target is really down in, like, near seven, okay? So he's not just a – he doesn't catch the ball deep. He takes it deep. But right. here's the thing. Why wasn't he doing that? In college, didn't we say the same thing about Alabama's Josh Jacobs? Uh, didn't we say the same thing? He wasn't. We'll he, he, he wasn't running. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
common common issues there, right? We can we can go back to college for both of them. You, you, you're right. Fun. Okay, because if we want to tie that in, I'd say there's some limitations that were seen and that have now been displayed in how those players have been used in the NFL. And not and that's a that's to the negative for them. Okay, you brought this up. That's actually a negative to your side because uh, we've seen how Josh Jacobs has been used. He hasn't been unlocked and used as full as people wanted, and as much as people wanted. And when he did, he got hurt. And so you can flip right right around and say, look, rugs. They're going to be scared. They're going to try and use him in other ways. But when he's not going to be able to do it, just like he wasn't able to do it in college. He's not going to get as much work as you want. He's going to have some big plays, some nice plays, some flashy plays, but he's not going to have that consistent volume that you want. Marquise Brown kind of year is the best possible scenario that you could hope for, but he's not even catching that those deep passes like you said yourself that Brown was getting. He's in he's instant offense, Josh. You can't argue this, man. Much like Deshaun Jackson, and, and I'm fine with that comp. You're not gonna be. You're gonna start him, and you're gonna be disappointed half the time. And he's gonna help the offense, but he's not gonna help the offense half the time by just being there, and by running those routes, and not by actually getting the targets. So if he's not top three for you, who who are the top three? Let me let me hear who's gonna be better than Henry Ruggs. All right, so there's plenty of work for C.D. Lamb, and C.D. Lamb's just a better receiver all around. Really, really. So, so we're gonna C.D. Lamb say the guy. can slip in to basically get what Gallup was getting, and there's plenty of work there left over for Gallup to still have another 800 yard season himself. Okay, so you're looking at 800 plus yard seasons from Lamb in that offense down in Dallas. Okay, two, we've got Jalen Rager. In a perfect situation in Philadelphia, that's two. And then you got Justin Jefferson slipping right into another perfect situation for him up in Minnesota. Those three clearly had. And there's always going to, yeah, there's can be another one in there. You never know whether a LaVisca Chenault hits in Jacksonville. He's an explosive player. There's going to be a lot of these other guys. There's going to be one of them we don't expect, you know, the McClar- Terry McLaurin of this class, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I. I don't see it, man. I, I don't. I don't see the better fit than Rugs. I don't see the instant offense. I don't see the guy that translates to just scoring touchdowns and making plays. Like it's all there, man. It's all there for Henry Rugs. I think any. I think anyone who's just using the, the good old college production line, it's it's lazy, man. There's more to it than that. It's just don't, not the same in the NFL. Don't make me bring. I know it's not the same in the NFL, but don't make me bring in Peter Howard here. Talking about how when you actually look at at college touchdown market shares, it does not correlate to NFL success at all. Okay, it's a byproduct, of, like you said, of the situation, of the team's offense, of the playmaking. It's not a byproduct of the player. You want the yards. You want the raw yards, and not even so much targets. As I was proved wrong in college, you want the raw yards. All right. And he just wasn't getting that work. Now, I'll give you a fourth name, a fourth rookie receiver who's going to outscore Henry Ruggs in 2020. Let's hear the lies. Go ahead. He's on his own team. It's Brian Edwards. Uh, okay, see now, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Brian Edwards, obviously. So 
I, I see it, but I don't see it better than Ruggs. Not year Got one. Got him. I, I don't see it year one. I mean, you're you're giving me guys like CeeDee Lamb, who, who we all can agree with as talented, but he has Amari Cooper in front of him. He has Gallup there. He has Ezekiel Elliott running the ball 10,000 times in the season. I mean, come on, man. Like, what, how, what are we expecting from this guy straight out the gate? Like, we think he's just going to shove Gallup to the side. Elliott's going to stop running the ball enough for him to all three of them to eat like crazy. Like, not going to happen, man. Ruggs has a much clearer path. That's the thing here. The, the clear path is Ruggs. He has the clearer path. It's there for him. No one's sitting in front of him. No one he has to share with. Jacobs is going to do his thing, but he's not going to run the ball as much. Like you said, like is Elliott and all these guys. I just think it's a perfect, perfect thing to happen here, man. It's coming together. And I know it's hard to argue. I'm calling that one. All right, that's fine. We got to get on. We got to move on because... Yeah, I, we we could go and talk about the Dallas situation all all night too because uh, that that offense had so much and could be so much more efficient even have more touchdowns. So there, there's really is plenty of work. Um, you know how much I hate vacated targets, but just knowing that Jason Witten got 88 targets last year, I mean, there's plenty more work to go around. Um, that that offense is capable of producing again is the key. Uh, and even better with more talented players. So I'm really not worried about CeeDee Lamb's situation there. But I will say on rugs, I have learned a little bit of my lesson from like our Marquise Brown and that I'd rather, I'd rather not be down on a guy so much that I can't possibly benefit if his upside does hit. Right. So I won't have any rugs from my rookie drafts because um, he's going to go before I take him. He was my wide receiver five for rookie and rookie drafts. But when it comes to some redrafts and stuff, I will not be opposed to, to grabbing him. You know, if he falls, I will not be opposed to having my teams at all. So, yeah, it's just... Yeah, he's good. He's good value in redrafts. I mean, even in rookie drafts, I feel like the value isn't horrible, right? I mean, he's he's not getting the national love or the fantasy community love, and so there's some value being there's some meat left on the bone with him, I think, even in rookie drafts. But um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. But top three, man, top three. He certainly could fall. I could see him falling in some rookie drafts, depending on your league and what people think of it too. So that's possible. I just haven't been in that position myself so far. It's understandable. Well, we might as well get right to it because we brought it up. So Josh Jacobs, very encouraging, what, first half of the season. Everyone's really excited that this guy is everything we were hoping. They're actually giving him the volume, all that good stuff. But got a little hurt. And then when we look back, you know, in the rearview mirror and we're seeing some of his stats, there's some concerns there, especially when it comes to his involvement in the passing game. So... I'll give you the, these are the two sides. You can take the one side, which is going to lean towards he's an ascending running back. Maybe he'll be a top 12 running back 2020 and get even more involved in the passing game, better offense and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to say that if he improves, it's only because he's going to be healthy for more games and maybe more touchdowns, but his lack of involvement in the passing game is is going to continue to hamper him. So which kind of sides of those do you lean lean toward? All right. So so let me just make sure I'm clear. On side A, we're talking about basically more pass catching? 
um, at least the same, if not more, and more involvement as a whole in running, and just that he will be a top 12 uh, running back. Okay. And I believe um, he was, what, 15, 16 this past year? Yeah, yeah so, so if we take the first option, we're saying he's going to improve in the top 12 territory in PPR, and if we take the other side, we're saying that there's not going to be an involvement in the passing game, and the only way he improves is through health and touchdowns, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think the safe bet here is the second one. That's the safe bet. Okay. And see, listeners, this was the change. This is why we couldn't have a fake football fight, because, because Neil here went soft on me. Like, <laughs> he wasn't going to be passionate enough about this fight to make it a you know the main event so we had to we you know had what? to go the other way you know what no I'll, I'll take it he'll get more pass catching <laughs> yes i'll take it it worked here we go <laughs> you got it heads got it i got it okay <laughs> here's where you get bold and try to make it pay off folks all right so all right just generally speaking i see improvement here right so but i got to try to focus on the passing game so what everyone's going to tell you is they re-signed Jalen Richard. They drafted beautiful football players like Lynn Bowden Jr., who they say is going to be a running back. All right. The thing is, when you talk about a guy like Jalen Richard, you know, we'll see. Obviously, he is the pass catching back here. But the thing is, like, they have no true backup running back. That's like Josh Jacobs, right? These guys we're talking about are all pass catching backs. Um so we'll see what Richard does, really. I don't know how much he'll back him up, but with Lynn Bowden, with Richard, I feel like we're talking Bowden is more of a gadget player. So to think that he's going to now line up in the in the running back position and take away all of Jacob's opportunities as a pass catcher, it seems a little ridiculous. He's more of a guy that you can put out wide. You can put him in the backfield and, and then make him go out. You can do all kinds of audibles. You can have him take you know, snaps from center. So there's all kinds of stuff you could do with him. So I'm not going to get crazy and say Bowden is going to eat into all of Jacobs' opportunities here. Jalen Richard, they did sign uh, Booker, right? So that's another interesting situation here that kind of, you know, you, you kind of wonder, you know, what, what was he signed for? Was he signed to catch balls? Because that's all he's really done, even halfway decent. Or is he there to run the football? Like I said, they have no true running back behind him. Um, that's similar to Josh. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I just feel like this offense has opened up a lot, right? If, if everyone that I think is going to play well, Ruggs, Edwards that you mentioned, Bowden, all these guys, it's just an improved team overall, right? It just improved talent, infused with more talent. That has to open up Josh Jacobs' game. That has to open up opportunities. There's no way it doesn't. So, and let, let's be honest, the Raiders have remained um they've remained very steadfast in the idea that Jacobs will get more targets. And I know people hate coach speak, people hate GM speech, but I'm never going to let it go because if they're talking about it, I feel like where well, there's smoke, there's fire, and I should believe what these guys are saying. There's no reason to think otherwise. So yeah, I do think he's going to get more targets. I don't think I'm not going to get crazy and say it's a ridiculous number. Um, but I do think that he will get more passing targets just because of an improved offense, um, him having the system under his belt after a rookie season, doing well with it, and now they're just going to get thrown over. Well, I mean, that's what we do with our kids, right? We let our kids, we, we ease them into things, right? We go, okay, 
you can take the car today. Oh, now you can take the car for the weekend. Like, right? They show us improvement. We give them more. So why would Josh Jacobs not get more opportunities, Josh? Uh, well, why would you bring in all these receiving running backs? Uh, the people could hear the doubt in your voice, Neil, that why this makes no sense. Why are they bringing in all these guys? And the fact because all, is because all the guys that were there dropped the ball. They suck. Well, then why wouldn't they just use Jacobs more? They didn't. Because you can't, you can't kill the guy. But they didn't use him. And they had every reason to. They had all the stats that were pointed towards how, how Carr loves to short, throw short. And he threw a high volume short. And yet so few of those were to Josh Jacobs. Why? How? That makes no sense. It makes no sense. I'm maybe... Maybe it's just me, but I'm fighting off a little bit of uh, shadows here because I'm seeing a lot of Sony Michelle. I'm seeing a oh, running back who came, that. who was highly touted, who was highly touted in college, and we 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 dismissed the problems of his workload usage in college because he had other running backs with him, right? Nick Chubb with Sony Michelle. Oh, then you're not going to blame Sony Michelle for not getting at work as much. And he looks like he's the pass catching back as opposed to Nick Chubb. So that's what he's going to be when he comes in the NFL, right? Same thing. Josh Jacobs. He's got Damian Harris there, right? Oh, well, that's why. Damian Harris was there. They were using him instead. Josh Jacobs, he's more of the, the exciting receiving back. That's going to be good for, for, for the NFL, right? What happens? Sonny Michelle comes in and he just isn't used. And all we can figure is behind the scenes that he was not impressing. And so all I can figure for Josh Jacobs coming in, so it's supposed to be one thing, he comes in and we don't see it. We don't see it. And you can say, I said the exact same thing you're saying now about, well, he just needs a year. Sonny Michelle just needs a year. They're talking now about coach speech. They're co talking more about getting involved in the pass game. Week one, one target. Oh, okay. Nope. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. I'm not getting caught that again. I'm not getting stuck on this take thinking that Josh Jacobs is going to improve in the passing game when there's no evidence, there's no historical evidence, and there's no evidence from the coaches and the GMs and the moves they're making with other new players to support it. The fact is, he is what he is. He's going to be a decent running back to the good amount of volume. If he can stay healthy, good chance for some touchdowns. If that offense improves, but he's never going to be the PPR top 12 running back. We hope and want to, him to be much like he's never going to, he's never going to outscore miles Sanders. And you know, I'm not even that big on miles Sanders because he's held back by situation and coaching, but He's still never going to be able to match the passing game involvement that really gives you so much more points and so much more value for fantasy football. He's never going to be able to match that. All right, let me just say this. We agree that Derek Carr is, likes to check down, right? Yeah. Okay, can we agree that Jacobs was pretty decent at catch, pass catching in college? Supposedly. Okay, so we got the pass catching in college. You like that college history, right? That's your thing, that 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 production. We got a quarterback who we know likes to do it. So now we got two things on the side of this, right? We got a guy who was their heavy pass blocking back, right, for most of those situations. 
Now, don't forget he got injured, had a shoulder injury. We don't know how much that played into the usage of him um, as a pass catcher or just in general even. Um, but if we're talking top 12, you don't have to be the greatest pass catcher to even to, to land there, number one. But if you just increase his targets, I mean, last year, DeAndre Washington, I think, had 40-plus targets in receiving. Um, Jalen Richard had 40-plus targets in receiving. Right. Uh, That's my point. Those guys were getting it, and Jacobs wasn't. Why? Jacobs had a little, he had a little less than 30. So he's not far off of them. A little less. He had 27. You lose DeAndre Washington. You bring him about him. So at the, at the most, he's replacing DeAndre Washington, right? At the most. But is he really going to come in right away and just ball out, out of control and have all the trust of this team? Come on. I don't know about that. So I think he's going to get some of that uptick. They're going to trust him a little more. He's healthier. The team will just be naturally playing better. They trust him to block, so he's naturally in there more. The, o- the only really, – I mean, there's, there's nothing that you can put out here to make me think that there's no chance that there's an increase in targets. There's no real negative sign except the fact that you think the Raiders won't do it. So he might hit 30? Is that what you're going for here? Like, yay. 35? 35? So exciting. So exciting. I mean, that's definitely top 12 territory. With what we know he could do on the running running the ball, if he catches 35 to 40 passes, he's top 12. No, 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 no. I didn't say catching. I said targets. He's still only catching like 20. Nah. He's going to catch at least 30 passes this year. Catch him. I'll believe when I see it. Here we go. We got we to gotta wrap this up a little bit. We got a couple more we could do. Let's get off the running backs for a little while here. There's a lot a bit of a hot take going around on Twitter right now. And it's funny because I, I commented about it and that I thought it was a little silly. And I, I was like, somebody please explain to me why people are talking about Calvin Ridley being a dark horse wide receiver one, like top 12 wide receiver in 2020. I was like, what's going on here? Because I'd only heard it said here and there. And then I said that. And over the next few days in chat, we were seeing all kinds of these tweets blowing up people talking about it. And it was kind of interesting because it was like, I saw it coming, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just because I said it now we were all seeing it, but it wasn't just me because all of a sudden these tweets really were getting retweeted everyone talking about it. Is this nonsense or not? So that's what I'm going to say. Calvin Ridley, top 12 wide receiver in 2020, foul or no foul? Foul. Super foul. Okay. Dead body and a garbage can foul. Okay, tails. So you <laughs> you have to oh. you have to argue for it. Oh man. <laughs> that is sickening. I'm going to let you start this one. Yeah, this is guys, guys. I'm, I'm gonna save. Sit down, Neil. It's okay. Just you can take. <laughs> you can save this one out. So he he's not gonna have anything to say because it makes no freaking sense. Um, look, is there a possibility? Sure, he could step up. He's had solid seasons. If he combines the usage he got last year, um, with his rookie season's touchdowns then he can do it. I mean, Mike Williams had one of those seasons with touchdowns, right? We know that's possible, so I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm going to say I would never in my life bet on it because the argument's going to be vacated targets, okay? Somewhere in, there's a Venn diagram somewhere of uh, the route running, you know, groupies who love 
crisp route running. Uh, and the vacated targets is a thing, people, those lemmings, right? Somewhere mm-hmm. in there, you will find the people who think Calvin Ridley is going to be a wide receiver one because they're so enamored with how good he is at running. And then they see how Mohamed Sanu left midseason last year and his numbers went up a little bit. And they're going to talk about how Austin Hoover left. And now they're picturing all those targets somehow going to Calvin Ridley. It's not going to happen. If you can't earn targets over Austin Hooper and Mohamed Sanu in your first two seasons, you're not going to suddenly magically do it in your third, especially especially when you're already supposed to be such a good route runner. How are you going to improve? What, do you, what are you going to get? How are you breaking out year three? The, the whole thing about a year three breakout is that you're like a talented physical player who just needs time to develop. He's, his... His whole marketing thing was that he was already developed, and he showed that. But he has nowhere to go. He can get more volume because those guys are gone? I mean, all right, possible. But here's what people are leaving out. Here's what people are leaving out. As much as it's possible that Matt Ryan will more often look his way than he did before, here's what people are missing out. The fact that Mohamed Sanu and and particularly Austin Hooper were there and getting work. They were helping that offense. They were helping the offense as a whole generate more first downs and therefore more possible targets. So if those guys are around and if this offense as a whole takes a little bit of a step backwards, especially in volume because their volume was crazy. It was crazy high last year. Even for them, they're typically not that high. But their defense was so terrible last year that they had to. It really is why. They drafted almost nothing but defense this year. They did not draft a single offensive skill position in this entire rookie draft. They are going to improve on defense just by getting healthy players back, by bringing in new players. They're going to improve. And then the offense will not have that volume to begin with. Plus, they're not going to have all the same players. I mean, Austin Hooper was better every, every year. I don't buy into Hayden Hurst stepping into that role and producing the same. So this offense is going to take a step back in total points. In everything, it's going to take a step back. Julio's not giving up anything unless you're predicting injury for Julio Jones. So when it's all said and done, I doubt Calvin Ridley's numbers will go up much at all because as much as he's going to gain the offense as a whole is going to lose and it's going to counterbalance each other and so we're going to be sitting here next year looking at calvin ridley having another great solid season of eight touchdowns 800 yards on uh 90 or 100 targets and just a a solid wide receiver too yeah i'm not going to argue the other side of that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no point in doing so. Uh, you basically said everything that is just factual at this point. I mean, there's there's nowhere for him to go right now. It's just it's just not in the card. And I don't think it's necessarily a knock against him or his ability. It's just the opportunity isn't there to do so. Um, I mean, the last two years also he's had similar stats every year, right? I mean, so far. So it's like yes. I don't I don't know where this dramatic increase everyone is expecting. And he, and we're not saying he's a bad player. Like they're just getting crazy with where they where they're putting him. You know what I mean? So Thank you. If you if you have Calvin Ridley on your team and someone is willing to pay all this ridiculous money, please don't buy the hype and please get rid of them. <laughs> right. All right. 
that was I guess that was a setup because neither of us could buy it. That, that, listen, listen. I felt I felt that rant you know, under your skin. I know you, I know you wanted to get that off, so I, I, I yeah. let it rock with it. I had to find a way because it was going to be cold by next week. I had I had to find a way to slip it in here this week. <laughs> All right, next one's a little dear to both of our hearts. Um, there's a bit of an inside joke here, but guys, but I'm going to tell you who's going to score more points PPR 2020. Kenny Galladay or Godwin? Galladay or Godwin? It's Godwin. You're going Godwin. Oh, All right, I'm gonna flip this coin. You got heads again, man. I'm gonna beautiful. I'm gonna flip it again. Yeah, listen, fancy gods have been on my side today. They didn't like the disrespect in the intro that you had for me, and it's played in my favor the entire time since. You want to start? Or do you want me to bury you shot at the gate? How you want to do this? I mean, I'm, I'm, I kind of, I'm interested in letting you talk for a little while. I'm gonna come All back right. in here and All let. Right. You're gonna you're gonna think you're gonna have this, and then I'm gonna come in and just sweep it out. So listen, so I've done some research on Chris Godwin lately. I, I've I've had some projects. I had a, I had a project I had to do for him for someone's draft kit. So I, I have him on my mind. He's a player I picked for the draft kit to talk about because that's how uh, intense and how crazy my love is for Chris Godwin. So and it's not just me that loves Chris Godwin. His team, the team loves Chris Godwin. The coach loves Chris Godwin. His new quarterback's going to love Chris Godwin. Everybody loves Chris Godwin. So this isn't really hard to argue. I mean, you got a good player on your side. So, you know, I, I assume you have some good arguments for that. But we're talking about a guy who's elite at everything, right? I, you're not going to argue with me about any of his ability. So I know that I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to go in that water because I know you can't do anything about it. I don't have to go in the production water. Because he's proved it over and over. Like, we're not even worried about that. This is a guy that I bought into before he popped off. I was trading first-round picks for Chris Godwin before he was Chris Godwin, before he exploded. Now, you're telling me the guy who has finished where he's finished every year. Last year, you know, he's he's quickly become a top-five wide receiver in any scoring, any league. That's where he's at. I, I can't wait for you to tell me why he's not. Why Galladay belongs there and Chris Godwin doesn't? Oh, is it the Hall of Fame quarterback that one of the best quarterbacks ever live that he just added to his team? Is it that? I mean, what are we talking about here? This guy's had bad running back play since he's been there. He's had quarterbacks who threw as many interceptions as touchdowns. There's literally zero downside to this. You're going to tell me they signed Rob Gronkowski? Okay, cool. I love it. Rising tide lifts all boats. I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. I, I really I really don't want to stretch this too far until I hear what you say because I don't really think you have anything. And so I don't want to I don't want to bore the people with greatness until you give me a reason to do so. The Buccaneers are not going to have Jameis Winston throwing the ball this year. It's Tom Brady. That means it's gonna be far more efficient. But it also means it's going to be far less volume. And Godwin's fantasy points last year were were founded in volume. The only reason he was up where he was was because of volume. And there's lots of people who tell you, even though he was wide receiver one, 
or two on the season, right? At, at times he was one, and Evans was two sometimes. And it's because every you know week, you never know if he's going to be his week or not. And so the final totals by the end of the season were there, but it wasn't always what you wanted week to week. But I'll tell you who's going to be there week to week. It's going to be Kenny Galladay. The only reason Kenny Galladay wasn't right up there in the top five this last year, too, is because Stafford got injured. Okay. Stafford was on fire. And his, I've been looking up some, you say you've been doing some research? I've been doing some research, too. <laughs> Matthew Stafford is, according to Next Gen Stats, he was the most aggressive quarterback last year. And that was not his normal self in past years. I'm telling you, Kenny Galladay unlocked the good old Megatron Matthew Stafford that we all love. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that kind of focus, that kind of attention, that kind of usage given to Kenny Galladay this season. Just continue it right on from, from last year. Except if we get a full season of that, that's going to outpace and outscore the decreased volume as good as I agree Galladay and, of course, love Tom Brady, all that stuff, but it's not going to be the same offense that was just throwing the ball around like crazy for 5,100 yards. We're not going to see that this year in Tampa Bay. Okay, okay. I'll let you, I'll let you get some space here. I'll let, I'll let you breathe a little bit. So let, let, let's think about this. First of all, I'm not concerned about Tom Brady versus Jameis. That, that's a nonsense argument because Tom Brady, for however long, has been a 4,000-plus yard receiver, 20-something touchdowns, and you're telling me that I'm supposed to worry about Chris Godwin because of Tom Brady? Like, that's crazy. Like, did, did we worry about Julian Edelman for Tom Brady? We didn't, right? We never worried about it because he was amazing with him. And, and, and if you think about it, Last year, Julian Edelman had his best season ever as a 33-year-old beat-the-hell-up, sorry-ass offense wide receiver. Chris Godwin is not even in the same realm as Julian Edelman. They're so far apart in greatness, Julian Edelman is, is, is not there. So he, we got a younger guy who plays the same spot as Julian Edelman played, doing things better in every sh way, shape, or form, and I'm supposed to be find a, a way to concern myself with that. There is no way I'm going to concern myself with that. Not to mention, you talk about the targets and everything. Galladay had 116 targets last year. He only caught 65 of them. Godwin had 120 targets. He caught 86 of them. So the targets were about the same. Godwin played two less games. So even if we count Jameis's ridiculousness, we're taking two games away from him. He still had more targets and more catches with those targets. It's just he's he's the safer bet here, no question. The better talent, no question. And you just gave him the goat at quarterback, uh, offense that fires on all cylinders. And there is literally no argument you can make, Josh. There's just nothing you can say here. There's you have no space. There's there's no you have no ammo. You're out. Hey, you can say it's a safer bet. I may not even disagree with you about that. I'm gonna say that if I can get Galladay cheaper. I'm going for it because he. I'm telling you, he has that chance for a top five kind of finish here, and it doesn't take much for Godwin to fall out of that. Nothing can make him fall out of that. Unless this man breaks both of his legs, he ain't falling out of the top five.
Tell these people you know it's Godwin. You know it's Godwin, Josh. I I, I probably, but I really actually do think Galladay, like this is gonna be like Megatron Galladay's Megatron season. You think so? so I, he, I, he, he was he was he was number nine in PPR last year. Yeah, and that's pretty crazy to think of what he was doing last year. For um, sure. Both of them are outstanding players. Yeah, so he's he's my guy. I think is 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 making that leap, and I think it's gonna it is gonna rely a lot on Matthew Stafford, and that is the concern. Um, I also did just recently draft Matthew Stafford and trade for Galladay on on the same team, so I'm sure that has nothing to do with this at all. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, man. We'll see how this plays out. Moving on, final final one of the night. All right, we'll close it out. With um, some people's, most people's, it should be, I think, running back 101 in rookie drafts, Jonathan Taylor. Here's the problem. It goes to the Colts, and Marlon Mack is there. So what do we think happens in 2020? Okay. A side, we're going to say, no, Taylor's getting over 50% of the rush attempts, and he's going to be, you know, top... I'm not going to say he's going to be an RB1, but let's say he can be top 16 running back. That that puts him right in the same area, possibly, as where even Jacobs and Sanders, as rookies, finished just last year. So we're saying solid, great season for a rookie. Or are we going to say that Jonathan Taylor is going to split enough with Mac to keep us frustrated all year? They're going to split enough. Say so you're taking that B side then. Taking a B side. Oh, Alright, let's flip this coin. And it's tails, which means uh you gotta argue for A side. No. Alright. That's fine. I could take the very lazy approach as most fantasy fantasy owners do. Okay. That's no problem. Here here's here's the argument you're gonna hear in favor of Jonathan Taylor in top sixteen. Jonathan Taylor is the man. He was like a monster in college, bro. Like, just look at the numbers, dude. Like, no one's been as good as Jonathan Taylor. We're going to ignore those fumbles like they never happened. We're going to ignore the fact that he's a rookie in a running back by committee coach and that Mac was a productive, not half bad running back last year. We're going to ignore all of these facts. We're going to ignore the facts that his head coach is a running back by committee head coach. We're going to ignore all the articles, all the interviews from head coaches, offensive coordinators, and everybody who says Mac is going to be a part of this offense in a big way. They are 1A and 1B. We're going to just ignore all that because we're smarter than the NFL franchise who is going to have to run these two out there. And we're going to pretend like Jonathan Taylor is going to be the only running back in Indianapolis this year. And so, Josh, your Mac has no chance. He's a dead man walking. You know the song. I'm just a dead man walking tonight. That's Marlon Mack, apparently. Man, you're making great arguments here. <laughs> I'm done with the arguments because I want to be on your side. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, It's not like these coaches, you say that they're running back by committee, but it, I mean... I'm pretty sure Marlon, I mean, I'm pretty sure Melvin Gordon had top 10 seasons in, in San Diego 
with these same coaches. Um, I don't, I don't think they have a problem. I think their system is productive enough that just because they're going to have somebody, yeah, the, the hype going around Twitter that you were referencing is they keep talking about how Hines actually they talk about Hines, not even Mac, is going to be involved in the passing game, right? And how Philip Rivers loves to dump it off, just like he did in San Diego. So we have two different things here that we've already seen somewhere else. And now we want to know what's happening with this third piece, the running backs, right? Well, again, all you have to do is look. Melvin Gordon, coincidentally, also out of Wisconsin, right, goes to San Diego. Question marks about his receiving involvement. But he becomes one of the best. Yeah, it's short kind of dump-off passes for Melvin Gordon. Sure. But it doesn't matter. It works. That offense is able to open things up. They dump it off to him underneath. And he gets a lot of yards in a first down. That's all he's going to have to do. That's what he's going to be able to do. And it's the kind of plays where he has to be on the field to do it. It's not the kind of play where it's designed for a little out pass like like, uh, the Patriots do with James White or something. And there's going to be some of that involved, just like they used for Eckler in the first couple of seasons when Eckler was there and he was still getting involved. It was mostly Melvin Gordon. He's still putting up 12, top 12 seasons. But yeah, Austin Eckler's there getting some plays for him. But the rest of the time, it's going to be Jonathan Taylor out there on the field as the main back, getting all the rushing work for the most part, plus these dump-offs. And Marlon Mack's going to come in and breathe in for him. He's going to... He's going to work in here and there, but it's not going to be enough to stop him because, like you said, it's going to be a timeshare. Well, guess what? Even Miles Sanders had a timeshare, and he was still our running back like 13, 14. So it doesn't matter with the amount of volume he can get in all areas. It's still going to be enough, and guess what? He's just playing good. What did we see? And I know you you probably... You missed the chance to preempt me on this one, but what did we see out of Nick Chubb in Cleveland a couple years ago? We saw him come in, mixed in with Carlos Hyde, another fairly decent running back, and Nick Chubb was just breaking off these plays. And that is exact same kind of player that Jonathan Taylor is. He's going to break off these plays. He is fast. Okay, I'm not just going to lean on college production and all this stuff. No, he is fast he's faster than nick chubb was okay and so he's going to break off these big plays and he's going to get that usage that nick chubb didn't see until halfway through the season i think jonathan taylor sees it sooner okay that's fine um so okay so here's my thing with this you have a rookie running back that you have no reason to run into the ground you have no reason to you have no reason to break this guy because you have Marlon Mack, who literally ran the ball for you almost 250 times last year, went over a thousand yards, had over a four point, he had a 4.4 yard average, eight touchdowns, right? And you're and, and this is a guy who's on the last year of his deal. You're probably just gonna let him walk because you just drafted a rookie running back early. So why would you not say, let's get everything we can out of this guy? Let him lead, let, let him let him bring the rookie along. There's no reason to rush this guy. There's no let's let's make sure he doesn't have fumbling issues. Let's make sure it's he's he's a great pass pass protector. Let's see how much he can catch the ball. Like there's so many ways for this offense to run. 
it's been so crazy that I've seen people say instead of Marlon Mack getting more pass opportunities, that they're either they're probably going to let Paris Campbell catch the ball out of the backfield. Like how how crazy is that? So the running back who's actually a running back and actually plays there and is not actually that bad at catching the ball, even though they haven't given him the opportunity, is going to actually lose targets to Paris Campbell over over himself. Like it makes no sense. There's just no reason to phase out Mac completely. There's absolutely no reason. Like he's not a bad running back. There's no reason. They were a top seven running offense last year. If he was so terrible and so bad, they wouldn't be top seven. There would be no reason for the you know offensive coordinator to come out and speak in his favor. There'd be no reason for the head coach to speak in his favor. They would just quietly let Mac disappear. But they're not doing that because Mac isn't a bad dude. He's a good he's a good running back. So I, I, I don't know. Like you talk about Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Um, in 2018, was Melvin Gordon hurt at all? He was, right? Yeah, towards the end of the season. No, okay. wait, was that so what, no? That was the year he had the whole full season. 2018, okay, he had a full season. So 2008, so 2018, he had a full season. He had 170 rushing attempts, 175 rushing attempts. Eckler had 106. That's you know, that's a decent jump in difference, right? Um, Eckler had 53 targets receiving melvin gordon had 66 so melvin, melvin gordon got more rushing attempts and more passing targets yep. yet they both produced they both did well and and certainly we cannot deny the fact that it ate into melvin gordon right eckler ate into him for sure and melvin and Al, would you say eckler was dead in 2018 hey i'm not making the argument that max didn't okay dead. right so 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 that's the case here is like you have to tell me you know you, you have to for people to go crazy and say he's dead is ridiculous. Like we've we've seen a lot of situations where, where guys were splitting the load. Devin Singletary split the load. Um, David Montgomery. These are running backs that people were crazy about. Montgomery was nuts. It was it was crazy how good he was. Right, top twenty four, not not sixteen, not top ten. He was twenty fourth in PPR. Why? Because he just wasn't as good as everyone thought he was going to be, and he had to split the ball with guys. And, you know, things weren't as perfect. Now, different situation, different offensive line, clearly. Different offense, clearly. But I'm just saying, like, these guys, they do fall short sometimes. Miles Sanders did great, top 15, right? But, again, different different kind of back. He caught the ball. He did different things, different offense. But, again, there's just so many ways this can go. For us to say one guy is dead, like Marlon Mack, it's just crazy to me. So I believe there will be a split here that will hurt both guys to the point where, you know, they're both in the twenties or yeah, probably they're both in the twenties or one's in the twenties, one's in the thirties. But for me, I'm never going to put either one of these guys in the top 15 next year. Um, straight. I, I, I just don't see the point, you know, in putting that much stock in it. Um, so I will keep them both outside the top 15, especially the, the one everyone cares about is Jonathan Taylor. Um, so because of Mac, I don't believe he's gone. I don't believe he disappears. Hines is there. I just don't feel like these guys are all going to disappear. So I think, there's no team for them. There's no reason for them to rush him year one. And you could easily just ease him into this role and see everything he's made of. And then 21, 2021, the team could be his. You know, you see, you see, he can carry it all. It's his. But there's no reason to waste max talent and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, all I right. don't see him in the top 15. I got to stop you there. You keep saying there's no reason. There's no, no, there's, there's a, every reason, including one big one. His name is Philip Rivers. Okay. I said this offseason. I predicted Philip Rivers is going to go there because they have a good team, a good core in place. They have T.Y. Hilton. He's not quite quite old, that old yet. Okay, he's still a viable, good wide receiver one. 
They've got some young guys they're hoping can come along. They've got an offensive line that is great. When you have an offensive line, you don't waste it. You take advantage of it. Okay. Now they went out and got their quarterback. They think they can actually help them win. And they have an improving defense good too. So this team needs to win right now. Okay. They can't wait. They can't wait for 2021. They need to win right now. This is the difference between this team and like what I cited for Nick Chubb and the Browns. Because that team wasn't going to win right then. That team was a year, two, three away. Okay. This team, they're they're a year negative one away. Okay. They were supposed to be winning it last year with Andrew Luck. And then he retired. So now they're like, okay, we need to still win with this team because it's built to win right now. They have every reason to play the better running back. That's why you're going to play Jonathan Taylor over Mac. I agree. Mac's a solid running back. He is like, he is the archetype. I've said many times, he's the archetype of a running back too. He, a fantasy running back too. He's put in those numbers, but it's also extremely unimpressive. A lot of his points last year are based upon a lot of touchdowns, and it doesn't really match up with the amount of work he was getting in the passing game. And it it just was it was just mediocre. And Jonathan Taylor's gonna be better than mediocre. You play Jonathan Taylor because when you play him, he starts doing and giving you more than Mac was, and you realize, oh, okay. We'll just use this then. Why wouldn't you? You're telling me they're going to not play a better player who's going to get them more yards, more touchdowns, and actually help them win games just because of some contract? No, they're beyond that. Nah. Who, when Melvin Gordon was a rookie in 2015, who were the other backs in San Diego? It was Danny Woodhead and... Um, I'm not sure if they still had one of the Browns around still, uh, okay. but but so, Melvin so, Gordon so had Danny some Woodhead. injuries and yeah. Okay, so Danny Woodhead was the relevant one, right? So yes. if we look in 2015 and we look at the PPR leaders at running back, Danny Woodhead gets where he was. He was in the top three. Where yeah. was Melvin Gordon his rookie year? And, and we're saying Melvin Gordon, same school, elite back, all this crazy stuff. Under Philip Rivers, he was just barely in the top fifty. Yeah, he had no touchdowns whatsoever. Yeah, there was a right. lot of fluky things about right. that season. I remember I hung on, I hung in there for Melvin Gordon the following year, and he paid off. But it's a different situation. They don't have you don't have a Danny Woodhead coming in to this team. You don't have a Danny Woodhead. Marlon Mack is not that level of playmaker. Mack Hines, I don't know, man. I don't. I, I just don't see the top fifteen spot for him. I think there's enough that can go against him for me not to pay the capital I have to pay to get him. This time next season, we will be drafting Jonathan Taylor as a top six running back in Dynasty. When they let Mac walk and we see how it plays out, you're probably right. But for now, Mac is not a dead man walking tonight. All right, Neil, that was fun. It was lots of fun. I mean, I'm a little disappointed. Um, I wasn't able to get you upset enough that you you swore at me or anything like that. I'm um, gonna have to find some better topics next time to really get you 
Bloodborne. No, you have you have the topics. I even switched sides on my Jonathan Taylor discussion here just to argue for my Marlon Max. <laughs> so uh, we had the, we had the plate. We had the guys in place, but you know I don't want to I don't want to curse at you, Josh. You, you rolled out the red carpet at the end here. You gave me all the heads and tails until this one with your rig system. And and for the folks watching, I didn't even see the coin spin on this one. So there was definitely some rigging going on in this one. Uh no. It got it got it's, jammed up. It glitched up on my screen. I'm like, hmm, it's interesting. All legit. It's all legit. <laughs> Neil, what can the people find you once again? They can find me at Clock Dodgers on any social media platform, whatever is your flavor. Um, more importantly, you mentioned the website, but more importantly, Clock Dodgers Podcast is where I would love for you to go, subscribe, listen, review, all those good things. Uh, yeah, Clock Dodgers Podcast, man. Just it's where we have all these great interviews, great guests like yourself, great discussions. Yeah, so Clock Dodgers Podcast is where I would push you the most. There it is. Give him a listen. Um, he's finally actually good diving more. You used to I used to just call you an entertainment podcast, but you've been he's been <laughs> full on fantasy football, so I'm really proud of him. Check it out. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me on, man. Super humble to always be here. Till next time. <laughs>